episode 180. I am your host, Caps, a.k.a. Wheels, still trying to escape Hades. And with me as always... Uh, ready to fire my psycho gun, David Bernie, Family Master. And filling in for Gaijin this week. Hey, it's Matt Mason, Platyam3. How y'all doing? Not too bad. So, uh, it's so. been... A less long week thus far. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> I've watched enough baseball to make this a long week. <laughs> well, there was a lot of baseball on last week. Let me tell you. Baseball well, and lot. sequel baseball too. <laughs> <laughs> if only it was the RBI kind. Now I'm trying to remember when is Sony officially obligated to start making <laughs> baseball games on other consoles. I, I think it's next year. It it's could be, be wrong, incredible, but I think next year. I can't wait for that. That's still maybe the weirdest piece of news this year. It is, and I'm totally gonna buy it on Switch and Xbox and not PS5. <laughs> just, just for fun. Aren't you excited to? Aren't you excited to pull out a screwdriver so that you can change your PS5's ori- orientation from vertical to horizontal? Uh, no. You love that. I'm gonna. Oh, did you not hear about scared this? shitless? <laughs> <laughs> did Come you not on. hear about this, Platy? No, but I, for someone who's done the 47 steps to uh, modify their 3DS, I'm sure a screwdriver for your on your PS5 shouldn't be a big deal, right? Yeah, but I have multiple 3DSs, so that wasn't scary <laughs> at all. It's just like, okay, well, if this breaks, I have that, this other that, one. That didn't cost him $500. Yeah. So multiple PS5s is the way to go. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, if I break the PS5, you know, I'll just get another one in, like, five months when they're available. Well, you're just going to crack the case or something. It's just cosmetic. <laughs> I mean, the case is ugly either way. So I was going to say, you might end up with an improvement. I, like still can't believe how much the they, I still can't believe how much they over-engineered the shell on that thing to try to make it look like it's from the future, and it looks like it's from 1997. <laughs> uh, I think I have many similar... Uh, what is it? Uh, Wi-Fi routers somewhere. <laughs> Probably not that big. Oh yeah, I like how we have now like crossed the Rubicon. In both of these are larger than the original Xbox. Like significantly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's fun. We have to live with that. Can I get a Duke uh, controller for my PS5? Is that, is that uh, no, but you can for your Xbox. <laughs> oh, that's right, because that would work with the, the, the Series it's X. backwards oh, compatible. Oh, my God. We're doing this. It's happening. Remember the, like, ridiculous, the most ridiculous thing about that controller was somehow the fact that it would like give you a... Uh, it was like it would. Oh yeah, like the way that it worked was that it has like an LCD on the front, and it just plays the Xbox opening when you turn it on and plug it in. <laughs> oh man, Xbox! What a weird history. I love the original Xbox's like sickly, like neon green and black aesthetic because nothing has ever been more time locked into the year two thousand. Oh yeah. 
Like, I miss it. I miss it hor- terribly because it's just like the most, like, just why? Why is this what you went for? Like, is this, were we all broken at the time? And the answer is yes. Yes, we were. But that, that, that intro and that UI and that entire look is great. The, the only on Xbox emblem that looks like a badly applied yellow stamp. <laughs> oh, man. Just, just 2000 all in your face. It's November 18th. No, wait, November 15th, 2001, and it's time to go out to the the game crazy and pick up a cop and pick up an Xbox and a copy of Odd World Munch's Odyssey. Oh man, game crazy. <laughs> I miss Game Crazy. That was a nice store. Yeah. As the chain stores went, that was my preferred. Yep. It's too bad it was, there was attached actually, to a rental video store. <laughs> yep, that was a shame. There was actually a Game Crazy uh, out in uh, Salem, Oregon, that was not attached to the mothership properly, and still, as of like four years ago, still existed. Huh. Yeah. Nice place, actually. Hmm. They had like they they kind of turned themselves into they just never stopped selling like PS One and sixty four games. So like they just kind of defaulted into being like you could buy new games there, but it was. By default, the retro shop and it kind of owned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, I'm just thinking about, like, we always seem to get, like, at least, like, two out of the three consoles always try to launch within, like, weeks of each other, and it's always ridiculous. Yeah. Like, because we had the PS4 and Xbox, Xbone, and, like, within, like, a week, and now we have, uh, PS5 and Series X, but oh, and then PS3 and we were within like a week of each other as well. I think these people couldn't, you know, we don't get this two great movies on the same weekend, or at least pre-COVID. We never did. Like, how do they not do this? Like, I think they're doing it deliberately to clash, whereas movie yeah. studios generally try to avoid it, but man. Yeah. Man, I so was does... listening. Okay. So does this ramp up sales? Do you think, or I think the are, thought are they, process they losing is to each that, other? I think the process thought process is that I mean both of them are going to sell through their initial shipment regardless yeah. of what it is. Yeah. So like at that point, it's like well, the, it increases the hype. It increases the uh, amount that people will buy games for it and that sort of thing. So it's like eh, just. Just have the, make them fight. Smash them, smash your toys against each other. <laughs> well, did I tell you I got a an email from Walmart about the PS5 that freaked me out briefly mm, until I actually no, I didn't it. hear about this. <laughs> it was just one of those like, oh, we've received updated pre-order information, like. Oh God! What is this? And it was just—I would imagine it was them ch- changing the date that they said they were going to ship it. <clears throat> no, it was just changing the date from like uh, whatever it was before, probably like a TBD of some sort, to November tw- arrives by November twelfth. Yeah, like, like I had one that was saying it was going to arrive by like November fifth for a minute there, and I was like, "What? Excuse me." <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think you should do that. Sony might get upset. Oh, man. That just reminds me of... Uh, does anyone off the top of their head remember that when the Vita came out, Sony like sold it a few weeks early if you were willing to buy some hideous bundle? Oh, uh, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Did you have There's to get one like, of the 4G models or something? It, it had to be one of the 3G models, and you had to like buy... like some accessories and a game along with it. It was it was a very, like, strange uh, thing. Also, I don't think I've ever heard of anyone actually using the Vita's 3G. I'm not even sure what you would use it for. <laughs> oh, well, you could play um, that Resistance game online. That was Over terrible. the 3G connection? Yeah. Okay, okay. sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Don't play that Resistance game. No, it's, it, was, it was terrible. It was made by a company called Nihilistic Studios, and it shows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what else on that early system had? Mul- you could play uh, Uncharted that didn't have multiplayer. Yeah, and it also required you to front touch and butt touch a lot. Yeah, that I think game it also had gyro good. controls, actually. Well, I said, yeah, that game wasn't very good. <laughs> I mean, like fundamentally, it was fine. It's just that they had forced a lot of garbage onto yeah. it. As would as would be a theme. I was, Aww, I was really enjoying poor Vita. <laughs> I was really enjoying listening to like this ancient like like quote unquote ancient, but like this ancient video game podcast from like early two thousand six. And the thing that threw me was that this was a podcast before E three two thousand six, before Sony had announced the price. I had forgotten people had already started speculating that it was going to be $600. Like, that rumor had been floating around. Because mm-hmm. they're, like, openly speculating, is this is it going to be $599? And there's, like, a mix of, like, incredulity at the idea that they might actually do that. <laughs> and, like, well, maybe it'll work anyway. So, yeah, that was weird. That's always an interesting pastime. Like you, you, you sort through like old news stories, and like you'll find a lot of interesting stuff. But at the same time, it's like a lot of stuff that people kind of forgot was a news item at the time. But like the old podcasts, there where people will just sort of like spout off on things that they maybe aren't supposed to talk about. <laughs> Recommended. Sorry, just that was just something I've been doing the past few days. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, so, finally, have you been lured in by the siren song of either of the forthcoming systems, or are you I smart have, waiting your biding your time? I am smart and biding my time. As I've said many times before, it's the first Dragon Quest exclusive that gets mm. my uh, that gets my buy. And honestly, I've never owned an Xbox, so you know, it won't are you be that. Buy one. Dragon Quest Eleven S again. Uh, no, I've, I've got it once. I've got it twice. Um, it's not a fool me once, fool me twice, but full-time once, full-time twice, I, I'm good. <laughs> also, does Yakuza 7 officially count as a Dragon Quest game yet? Oh, I hope so. I just you threw one officially has a hero class. <laughs> <laughs> I, threw, I, I definitely threw in a question, because um, this will post well after. But, uh, uh, Wheels is streaming. Uh oh, well, we have an opportunity to ask some questions. I threw in a Dragon Quest question for uh, some like a dragon people that uh, 
we'll be able to uh, talk to. I, I appreciated seeing gamer. that because I was like, oh, that was one of the questions I intended to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as never having played a Yakuza, Yakuza game, but definitely going to play this one, I, I got to know some things. <laughs> I'm very, very excited for uh, the, how many people that manages to onboard because I love Yakuza and it's very hard to convince people where to start on that franchise at this stage. <laughs> You can just start with Zero. Uh, Zero's fine. Kiwami's fine. Either of those is fine, although they're both uniquely like weird places to start. I think Zero, but, Zero is still on Game Pass, too. Uh, Zero, Kiwami, and Kiwami 2 were both on Game Pass until at least uh, like a few days ago, I think. <laughs> nice. But, yeah, they're... I mean, all those are great. Like The thing that makes it weird is that Zero is a prequel that, like, a lot of the jokes in it are, like, and the things that are plot hooks in it are, like, oh, this is weird. This is weird how this is progressing. Whereas Kiwami is, like, a, str a fairly faithful remake of Yakuza 1, but it's also positioning itself as a sequel to Yakuza 0. So, like, a lot of the sub-stories will be continuations of things that happen in Yakuza 0. Interesting. Especially uh, Pocket Circuit Fighter who's, like, a giant subquest in both Yakuza 0 and Yakuza Kiwami. And, like, if you approach him in Kiwami, he'll be like, hey, remember me from, like, 20 years ago? And if you're not a Zero player, you'll be like, what on earth is he talking about? <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of, like, the weird pit they dug themselves with Zero and Kiwami, is that... Mm -hmm. Both of them are winking at, no matter what version you play, and you should never play the original version of Yakuza 1 because it's a miserable experience, but no matter what order you play them in, you're going to feel like you're missing something the first time through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love Yakuza, and I'm glad to have excuses to talk about it. Hooray! Uh, I wonder what on earth happened as to why the PS5 version of Yakuza 7 got delayed into March? Good question. So many questions. Thousands of questions. So Millions. they don't just have some sort of exclusivity agreement with Microsoft? I can't even imagine Microsoft would have paid whatever money would have been required to make that happen. I don't know. They're kind of throwing around money. <laughs> they are! But that's a weird thing to throw money at, one. And five months is a weird period. It's not true. even five, four months. Very Three true. and a half? It's like, because it's March 2nd, I think, was the number that they were throwing. And like three and a half months is a really strange exclusivity period. And it only, like, it's not like the PS4 version isn't coming out. It's not like that's not compatible on PS5. So, like, I wondered, like, did something happen with the development of that version? Good question. Thousands of questions, none of which we're getting answers to. Yeah. Uh, so, what have we all been playing? <laughs> I could talk about what I'm playing right now as we're streaming. Do it. And that's Baldur's Gate 3. Now available I've heard nothing but accents. kind things about. Yeah. If... 
you heard this and were like, oh, cool, they'll make like a divin Divinity Original Sin, essentially, in Forgotten Realms. That's pretty much what they did. Huh. Although it looks a little higher budget than Original Sin 2 was. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, and there's definitely lots of weird like D&D references in here. Like, you start the game on a Mind Flayer ship that looks like it was pulled out of the old... Uh, Spelljammer campaign setting. I do appreciate that they like if they they were like if we're gonna make a licensed like D and D game we're gonna make a D and D ass game. <laughs> oh, it is D and D ass is all hell. It's also, I think the first game that's of any real quality that's based on Five E. I believe so. If there've been any other ones, I'm just gonna assume they're crap. <laughs> But yeah, so far it seems really good. The character creator was uh, quite good. They, there's lots of races available in early access, including drow and tieflings and other weird D&D &D I nonsense. know there's some missing ones, but yeah. There's also some missing classes. I think like half of the classes in the base player handbook are not yet playable. Yeah. Which is fine. It's understandable, but you get a good variety there. You could... You could be a warlock, which is I what I picked, which is one of the... Uh, oh, warlocks are one of the most fun classes. Yeah, and game. it's one of the newer classes, too. So I don't believe they were in 4th edition. I believe they are new to 5th, and they're pretty cool. They've definitely existed in prior editions, but they operate very differently in 5th, I think. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it. It looks. Uh, I've seen a few friends streaming it. It looks really fun. Uh, I saw like mostly glowing reviews, except for one that was complaining that it wasn't like a direct sequel to Baldur's Gate Two. And all I could think was like, <laughs> Yeah, we all we all just want the old characters and setting back, right? That's why everyone played Siege of Dragonspear, <laughs> right, yeah. guys? Yeah, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I don't. I think. I think if you asked a number of Baldur, like a random assortment of Baldur's Gate fans, what that was, a number of them would probably not assume official expansion, just by yeah. virtue of the fact that, like, it just sort of came and went, and no one talked about it. And that was even an expansion to Baldur's Gate One. That was even an expansion to Two. <laughs> I think partly because, like, Baldur's Gate One had like the well, probably partly because Baldur's Gate Two ends deep into epic level campaigns, and that's yeah. not fun. But two, also just because like Baldur's Gate One's original expansion is mostly just here's more content that doesn't really tell a story. I think it was yeah. just called Baldur's Gate: Tales of the Sword Coast, something like that. Something it's one of those like things that. that just always gets included in uh, re-releases. But I mean, Baldur's Gate Two is kind of—I don't remember precisely how it ends, but I don't think it really left much sequel room <laughs> I mean it's D&D &D, so you can do all kinds of crazy stuff but it's also the, the, the story of the ball spawn is kind of over yeah <laughs> and it's also been like 20 years and they've also expand expanded the story of Forgotten Realms like way farther than that so there's really just uh, a lot of reasons why you wouldn't do this yes 
I've heard rumors that certain characters may actually be in the game. I'm sure that they'll put in, like, things, because it's like, well, they're calling it Baldur's Gate 3. They're going to reference Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. Well, it's so, like... Somebody told me, in the sh- told me uh, shortly before we started recording, actually, that supposedly in a comic, a certain character and his friend Hamster uh, uh, of course. got petrified <laughs> or something, so they may actually be around in the timeline of this game, which would be cool. Yeah. But... That, that, hopefully that ends better than the last time someone got petrified. Yeah, but I, I mean, it, it's D and D, and it really you can find excuses to do just about anything yeah. if you try. Yeah, it's also like a completely different studio that I'm sure doesn't want to be binded to, you know, those old games. So, you know, I'm sure there will be like references to the old games and stuff, but. The, yeah, no, we don't need more than that. Just give me, just give us a good D and D game. That's all. That's I mean, that's all, all I want. expect out of something called Baldur's Gate. Yeah. Like Baldur's Gate is just the branding for a certain subset of D and D games that abide by a certain concept that this seems to follow yeah. quite well. So yeah, like uh, the the opening to this scene features a bunch of devils fighting mind flayers. What what the hell else do you want? D and D s video game. Yes, this is. The... <laughs> This is D&D as hell. And I am here for it. And also, Uh, apparently, it already sold like crazy, even though it's only early access, so... I love the, like, Larian studio, uh, like, one of the heads tweeting about that. Like, we just wanted a nice, like, small group to play, to, like, do early access playtesting, and now look how many you bought. What are we supposed to do now? (laughs) Uh, yeah, it seems to be doing quite healthily, which is nice. Yeah. Now, Remember when they announced that at, like, a Stadia event? <laughs> oh, God. No human being is going to play this on Stadia. <laughs> Stadia. There's, like, a 30% chance that by the time that it's done, Stadia just doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's, yeah. Can I have to say, if this does well, um, that I would really love if Larian could, you know, assign a small team on the side to make a Spelljammer game, please? Thank you. Okay, list the list the setting you would most and least like to see in a D&D game now. I want to hear it. <laughs> uh, most would probably be Dark Sun. Oh, man, that's a, that's a weird one. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly why I'd like to see it. Yeah, uh, least would be Ravenloft because I think that's boring as hell. <laughs> How do, I need all of your strongest Eberron opinions. I don't even know what Eberron. Remember what Eberron is? Is that like the default? Well, the DDO is set in. I, nobody cares about DDO. <laughs> <laughs> I know people who care about that. Uh, oh man, I'm just thinking about like some of them, like uh, the ones that barely exist, like Points of Light. Oh man, I do have a controversial opinion though. Oh, do I, tell. I would love a D&D game set in the Planescape setting. That ah, deeply controversial. That isn't uh, Planescape Torment. <laughs> deeply controversial. Because uh, that game is obviously beloved, but. I wanted a game where I could actually make my own character and wander around. And you want to wander the weird realms. Yeah, exactly. 
Man, I always forget how many like D and D settings there actually are. You know, there's Dragonlance, Dark Sun. Um, there's one. There's the uh, Legend of the Five Rings setting. <laughs> yeah, that does exist. <clears throat> But I'm just like looking at some of them that like haven't existed in decades now, like Birthright. Uh, I vaguely remember Birthright. Haven't existed since like 1995. Blackmore, Council of Worms. <laughs> I mean, my friends and I mostly played our own settings. I think the, that's fairly true for a lot. Yeah, the only ones that we played that we actually used quite a bit were Dark Sun, because it was cool as hell. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the Legend of the Five Ring ones, Five Rings one, <laughs> which was cool because some of us actually played the card game. So, <laughs> yeah. But when do you say when do you set a D and D game in one of the Magic the Gathering planes? Uh, I think that would be weird. I think Magic there might be an official weird. support for that for some reason. Well, and there's going to be a Magic. There's going to be a Magic uh, Forgotten Realms set, too. That makes sense. Okay, yeah, it was, it was apparently... Uh, there were a series of articles written by someone with some official connection, but, like, basically described it's not really meant to be playable. Just for fun. <laughs> well, my character just got sucked out the side of this mind flare ship. I assume I'm dead. One would think that's what happens when you go out. So what have you been playing, Flotty? Uh, oh, I've been playing around with uh, elementary school kids in masks for two months. <laughs> well, oh, so you're playing the like do I have COVID now roulette. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Do I have COVID or am I just exhausted? <laughs> and every day the answer is I'm just exhausted. Thankfully. I swear the la yeah, <laughs> thankfully, yes. I, I will say the last two months have been uh, ha have been exhausting. Um, <laughs> I, I was going very good with Trails in the Sky the third um, right after we did Grandia a couple months ago. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, man, like two I games ahead of me. <laughs> Still. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of and trails games. I'm, I was almost done. I was right up to the end, and then there's like all these, because cause that game's the culmination. You can go in all these freaking doors and get all these cool things. A bunch of epilogues. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of epilogues. And I was getting near end game, and the difficulty spiked a little bit. And I know all these little epilogues have um, really good items in them. So I'm like, okay, there's 20 of them. My goodness, at what point do I just stop doing them? and finish the game because i'm like two hours away from like the ending but i'm worried that Not if i so many that, more trails games to play that's a thing well it became that and then the school year started and like honestly in the past month and a half i played and beat um nexomon extinction that sounds like a fake video game <laughs> it's not i have i own it <laughs> too it doesn't mean it doesn't sound <laughs> did you get the physical copy yep yep I, I got mostly because I was fascinated that it actually existed. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I did okay. Like I put ten hours into that straight away when I got it the first weekend, 
and then was like, holy cow, this difficulty is ridiculous. Only to find out that everybody was finding that way and they were already patching it for uh, Steam. <laughs> but I had to wait 10 days to get the patch on the uh, Switch. So, you know, kind of sat by for 10 days. I did some level grinding and everything, but um, the le- the monsters level with you. And you're 10 hours into this game. That's about a 20, 30-hour game. And at that point, they had put the uh, story gate for when wild third evolutions appear. Because, I mean, let's be honest, it, it's, it's Pokemon. It's 2005 Pokemon, for the most part, with pretty graphics. Um, and instead of uh, spell charges, you have an um, MP meter, basically. And other than that, it's 95% Pokemon. Hmm. But you're running into, you're basically running into Charizards eight, ten hours into the game. Like, wild ones that level with your party. Oh, fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, after I beat, the, there was a fire dragon, because of course there's always got to be some fireplace. You're in a volcano, and you beat the fire person, and at that point, that was the story trigger when it released um, on Switch for all, I guess, the majority of the wild encounters you have to be that third evolution. <laughs> so, I mean, all my guys are like level 20 or something, 21, and suddenly, like, every encounter is like a level 19 Charizard. <laughs> <laughs> and because you have. Um, an MP meter instead of spell charges. Like you're throwing these attacks at it. Like, holy crap, this guy's the same level as me. Like you can't really get too far ahead. And sure you can have resistances and whatnot, but I mean a four or five battles and I need to go heal like four or five battles, four or five battles. So not a day after I get to that story flag, I read that, Oh, the patch is coming. So I waited for the patch. And honestly that did, putting a few hours into it waiting for the patch to come i kind of cruised much of the rest of the game um they did very good with the balancing the rest of the way and honestly once the patch came out they also added in the exp share item which they didn't have at the time nice and they do it differently because your um each one of your nexomons can equip four different um i can't remember what they're called basically four different orbs um and you get those by everywhere you go there's little colorful gem minings to hit and you get colorful crystals you take the crystal somewhere and then you can hey this will boost your attack power by 15 or this one will get you 25 percent of the experience for this guy so you build up four of those, stick it on somebody, and he gets all the experience that whoever's fighting does. So it helps switching party members and getting new party members up to speed pretty easily. Um, and yeah, that that wasn't in it at the first time. Oh, and also when I first got it, um, the little gem crystals that are everywhere had stopped respawning. A glitch had stopped them from respawning. <laughs> So I couldn't get any new ones. I couldn't buy any new, like, attack boosts or defense boosts. I was like, oh, my God, I'm stuck. This is... <laughs> I'm fighting all the Nexomon 
Charizards that I cannot level my way out of battling. <laughs> I cannot upgrade my guys because oh. the glitch has stopped these things from respawning, which they were supposed to do like every 10 or 15 minutes. So, you know, you could go one place, go through the whole mine, get yourself like 30, 40 crystals, go somewhere else, come back later. The second that patch fixed that, it was fine. And they had another patch that dropped the day I beat the game. <laughs> I think it, it actually dropped while I was beating the game because I paused it to go make breakfast, come back, and it's like, oh, do you want to update your game? I'm like, oh, dear God, no. I'm in the <laughs> middle of the final battle, like, right now. Do not upgrade. Because <laughs> I don't know where the last autosave was, and I don't want to do the last hour again if I don't have to. <laughs> but it, it was a, it was a fun game. Honestly, I, I had fun before the patch until I ran into that wall, that story flag that killed it. Um, and then once the patch was there, it was fine. Nice. It, it was fine. Yeah, it made me think like, oh, this is 2005. I'm playing Game Boy Advance, prettier graphics, Pokemon. And then last weekend, I started and finished Evoland in an afternoon and eh. Evil Land. Why does that sound familiar? It's the game that starts you out in black and white, and you can only move in one direction. That sounds terrible. Well, you move right, you open a chest, and it's like, oh, now you can move left. You move <laughs> left, you get a chest, it's like, now you can move up and down. It basically takes you from, gosh, like a DOS game, all the way up through a pretty 3DS kind of experience maybe even it even prettier than that i'd say um 3d 3d game but it, it was a total of two to three hours to beat the game and it's got all different stuff so at one point you unlock um turn-based battles it's like hey now we can have turn-based battles huh. so uh, overworld the battles are all turn-based and they play it it looks and it plays just like Final Fantasy Super Nintendo. And while it started out, it's more like NES Zelda. Weird. And eventually you, you get the ability to, oh, now you have hearts so that running into an enemy doesn't end your game immediately. It only <laughs> your heart meter. <laughs> I, it, and I bought it. I think I must have paid like $5 for Evil Land and Evil Land 2. A duology on Switch, and reading that Evil Land Two basically does everything the first game does, but stretches it out to like twenty five hours. I'm like, nope, oh, I'm good. Go. I I got my five hours. I I <laughs> this interesting a tour of all role playing games. You know, a tour of gaming, a walk through history. You know, it. We what did we all enjoy ten years ago when that guy with the YouTube video, the history of dance. Isn't that the big? <laughs> Do you remember that clip? I believe I've heard the name of what you're talking about, and I'm convinced I've never seen it. So I think that was like every dance style ever in like five minutes. Okay, you can put five minutes into that, but if you make that a feature length film, I'm out. And I think that's what Evil Land Two is. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would nope. probably play. A, I probably would watch a feature film version of that rather than a five minute <laughs> version of that. Like I would rather hear like in like tales about like why this dance took off and like what it signified culturally as compared to here it is no contact see ya 
<laughs> so, yeah, what's funny is I, I thinking back, because sometimes I space out during podcasts when I'm like, eh, you know, this, this doesn't apply to me. So whatever, I'll space out for the next five minutes. But I'm pretty sure um, that Jooms talked about Evil Land 1 and 2 like two years ago. <laughs> we did a big catch-all episode RPG backtrack, and I talked about something. Oh, I know what I, th- I talked about the Dragon Fantasy games. Because we did, we did like an indie catch-all. <clears throat> yeah, those are pretty fun. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he talked about those at that point. I haven't gone back and looked, and I'm like, this, this sounds familiar now. But somebody convinced me a couple weeks ago, like, oh, if you're looking for something short, you can beat that in two hours. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's about all the attention span I got these days. <laughs> I got to get back to Trails in the Sky third. There's no rhythm to the school year, so unfortunately I have not been able to get into a longer RPG rhythm. So that's been about it for me. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's fair. I That's forgot to fair. mention okay. that I played uh, Genshin Impact. Genshin Impact? Genshin Impact. I don't really care where, how it's pronounced. How did it impact uh, you? Yes. And uh, I, have a live cl- I have a live clip of me playing it. Hold on, let me play it. Oh, no. <laughs> this is... There you go. Was... <laughs> what was that clip from? <laughs> Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've heard some people seem to really like it. Like, supposedly you can play it without Gotcha, but the second that Gotcha gets introduced as a mechanic, my interest just plummets. <laughs> I, I didn't even get that far. It's just like, this is generic as all hell. I'm going to go play more it Hades. wishes it were Breath of the Wild. I could go play Breath of the Wild. Yeah. It sucked. <laughs> oh, do we want to talk about that uh, presentation that aired this morning? Was there something this morning? Uh, Hyrule Did I Warriors Age of Calamity. Oh, I completely oh. missed that. They I showed that, that Link was oh, still customizable. Right. supposed to be. It was a treehouse, right? Yeah, treehouse live. Oh damn! They showed oh, yeah. that in Pikmin Three Deluxe. Nice. And so they is that Link is still justifiable? Uh, not justifiable. Uh, it's still <laughs> customizable in, in uh, Age of Calamity. Is Linkle involved at any? Or Linkle? Uh, they haven't shown her is. yet, but I feel like there's a decent chance anyway. <laughs> But do we get to play as Tingle? No. Was he playable in the first Hyrule Warriors? Probably, but I didn't. Uh, it wasn't everybody. <laughs> yeah. Bruce wasn't. <laughs> Justice for Bruce. Oh, man. man. Bring I, back I would, Bruce. I would pay all the Bring money for some Bruce DLC. Let me tell you. <laughs> This'll, that'll be a game I probably get for Christmas and sit down and beat with my kids again. Nice. We, we did the last one at Christmas, so it was perfect. I, I tried I'll probably to get, pick up... Oh, God. I was just going to say, I tried to get my son to play it, and he was briefly interested and then wanted to just play more shitty Roblox. Oh. My kids have started Minecraft in the past. You know, the, the beginning of the school year started that. Oh, I had to have... 
See, uh, they, My, Minecraft good, Roblox bad. I like how, like, just by attrition, Wheels has been forced to, like, accept that Minecraft is at least better than the alternative. Yeah, well, I mean, like, Minecraft, playing that with the kids, I can just be like, yeah, I'm just going to build this giant house that goes up to the sky limit. Why, why not? <laughs> or just build absurdly long tunnels. Like, we built this house here, and then on the other side of this ocean, we built this other house. I'm going to build a tunnel from one to the other, because... Why Why not? <laughs> yeah. You can't do that in Roblox? No, because it's not... <sighs> Have you seen Ro- Roblox at all? I honestly haven't. I, so. like, Roblox is fascinating to me because I have heard the name a number of times and I'm aware it's popular with children. Yeah. Literally never seen a single second of it. Yeah, it is... I, I'm right there with you. I do know that I have financially supported it, though, because my niece... Loves it. So yeah, I think you mentioned this one. $15 gift cards for every yeah. birthday, Christmas, whatever. But other than that, couldn't tell you. Yeah. So the weird thing about it is it's not really a game, quote unquote. It's a platform where people can make really terrible games for people to play. And then mm-hmm. insert all sorts of strange microtransactions in there. <laughs> So it's really a platform of nightmares. Yes, it's terrible. (laughs) That's why we have to keep sending gift cards. I want to play this game called Broken Bones, where you toss your terrible-looking Roblox character down hills to see how many bones you can break. It's thinking like, oh, I played a terrible mobile game like that like 10 years ago. (laughs) I guess they're just catching up to terrible mobile games now. And, like, half of the games he tries to play don't even work. It's just, like... This has the exact energy of the less ironic version of that period where I would, like, every few months go on the Xbox Live Indie Game Store and just download demos of everything. Yeah. (laughs) Like, they would just break constantly. They'd be made of stock assets. They would be, like, constantly trying to see what they could get away with putting on that store. All of them were nightmares. Yeah, that about describes Roblox. Man, did you ever look at the Xbox Live Indie Game Store? It was incredible. Oh yeah, it was. It was something else. Like they would just, they would just all be things that looked like they had, like there were, there was like the occasional game that was like someone put some real effort into this, and then like everything else would be, what the hell is this? Why didn't you spend any time on this at all? Well, somehow we got Z-Boyd games out of all that, so... Yeah, like, that was, like, the one in a hundred games you would get out of that. It was like, oh, this kind of owns. But then That's everything the else would be Alpha Chimp. <laughs> trying to see if Ex- Evo Land was ever on Xbox One Indie. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> Yeah. Uh, whenever you mention Evo Land, my brain jumps to Evo Space Adventures, <laughs> which is the European name for space stations in Silicon Valley on the N64. <laughs> Anyone ever play that? No. No. It was made by Doesn't Mean Anything Design, later to become Rockstar North. It was a game where you were a tiny little microchip that uh, attached itself to different little like animal robots. Use them for platforming adventures. 
Hmm. Big fan. Big fan. Cute game. Recommended. Never ported to anything else except for the PS1 in Europe, but that version runs like absolute trash. <laughs> but yeah, never been re-released. Cute game. Deserved better than it got. Listen, I like talking about weird things. <sighs> Broken. Does that mean it's time to talk about Crash Bandicoot 4? <laughs> That's not that weird, but sure. Uh, it's insanely good. Which I was not expecting. I was like, oh, they're making a Crash 4. They must have sold a good number of copies of that trilogy. And I, wanna, I mean, no? that trilogy did sell over 10 million copies. Are you serious? Yeah. What? Are you... What? Whoa. You didn't hear about this? No. Yeah, no, it sold like nuts. Holy. Okay. Well, no wonder there. <laughs> okay. Well, then, uh, no wonder that this game seems yeah. like it has an actual budget. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. All right. Flush with cash. Spend well, it on something. Well, then I'm going to enjoy this until, until oh, Activision runs the series and back into the ground. As will happen inevitably. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's really good. It it's it plays a lot like the older games. Like it's it's not moving into like free roaming 3D or anything. So you still got it's levels. no Crash Twin Sanity. No, so you still got like side scrolling and what, how would you describe the crash levels where you're like either going away? From I would the go back to the uh, Andy Gavin's description, which is Sonic's ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's like that. It, <laughs> but it <laughs> like Sonic's ass. It actually has incorporated some Sonic mechanics. Like it's got kind of the slide that a lot of the mm. 3D Sonic games have, and it's got rail grinding, and it's got some neat mechanics. I haven't seen all of them yet. I watched some trailers actually after I started playing it, kind of to see what was to come. But there's the one mechanic I've seen so far is where you get a mask and then you like hit a button and it toggles certain like platforms on and off. Every time but, I see that, it reminds me of Prince of Persia: The Forgotten Sands, which had a very similar mechanic. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> and not just platforms, but like traps and stuff. So you, like, yeah, there's yeah. one segment where I had to like grind on a rail and like turn different traps off, and it's it's pretty cool. I've seen it. It also in... can turn collectibles on and off because they can phase in and out. I think. Yeah, I haven't I haven't played Forgotten Sands, but I did see that mechanic in um, like Mighty Switch Force. Yeah, it's that was kind like of that. a gimmick there. I yeah. think. But yes, yeah, it's, it's it's been very good so far. The voice acting is funny. The story is whatever. It's Crash Bandicoot. Um, but. Uh, the developers clearly clearly enjoyed making this, so uh, I highly recommend it. Um, you will very, very rarely see a $60 platform title that doesn't have the name Mario on it, so uh, yeah, check it out. Hopefully, I, I think there have been rumors if they're doing a Switch port, and hopefully... I think it appeared in like the metadata on the website at some stage. Yeah. Hopefully that's uh, more reputable than uh, Dragon Quest Heroes switch Oof. data, which pops up <laughs> every three months. Someone's like, look, it's listed in Germany. 
Yeah, it was yeah, listed as, uh, as a launch title, people. <laughs> Give it up. <laughs> At this period, I would describe, I would say that Crash is more likely because it would follow the pattern that happened with both Crash the <laughs> and Saint Trilogy and Spyro Reignited. Yeah, the, where, the, I, I'm sure there's plans for a game, for a game where some some their their trilogy sold 10 million. <laughs> put it on everything. Who gets put shit? it on everything? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was not me being glib. The programmers of the original uh, Crash Bandicoot game, before it had like a finalized character, referred to the prototype as the Sonic's ass game. It was, uh, this was between the periods where they were having to convince Universal to not force them to call the game Willy Wombat. Oh, God. They were really, uh, okay, there was a few things that, like, Universal was like, no, it has to be called one of these. And they, like, eventually convinced them that, like, that, that, uh, Crash Bandicoot was, like, an acceptable compromise. Uh, hey, my character stopped moving. Good old early access. Okay, so Universal Interactive Studios pushed for Wes, Wuzzles, or Wizzy the Wombat. <laughs> is he a wombat? He is not. He's a bandicoot. <laughs> okay, just just clearing that up. I also want to bring up. Well, this was when they knew that they wanted like an a semi-obscure, cute-ish animal. Mm-hmm. But oh, this, so I, it could have still gone that way. Yeah, it could have. Okay. The other thing that I want to bring up is the period where like Crash Bandicoot was PlayStation exclusive, but Sony was aware that there was not a lot binding them to stay PlayStation exclusive, so they tried to make their own like crash bandicoot clone that they were going to like market against it if it ever became necessary and that was called jalapeno harry what? <laughs> uh, i'm sorry what that's hot jalapeno <laughs> it was uh. it didn't it didn't actually progress <laughs> far past the concept stage seemingly because Sony's in-house team could not actually construct an engine as good as the one Naughty Dog had made. And therefore, it, like, they couldn't seem to get it running in a way that look, would look comparable to Crash Bandicoot. Uh, an easy thing to forget quality, in uh, this day and alliteration age. Alliteration there, though. <laughs> quality alliteration, true. But, yeah, like, it's, uh, it's easy to forget in this day and age that one of the core things about Crash Bandicoot is that it looked worlds better than most every other PS1 game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Remember playing oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A you, terrible you're looking at the same article I am. <laughs> I remember look, playing a terrible, terrible demo of Warhawk on PS1. Oh, man. I think the final version of that game, it's possible to get an ending where the main villain just chokes to death on a pretzel. Okay, that's a thing. <laughs> Oh man, I was reading like a long summary of the Command and Conquer lore there's a few lore? days ago. <laughs> oh, there's so much lore, man. Oh god, why? <sighs> it's uh 
It's a lot. It's there was so much of it. It was so much. Remember when RTSs were popular? Yeah. I didn't like them. Yeah. I liked Warcraft 3. How do you feel about Warcraft 3 Reforged? I haven't played it. I've heard nothing but unkind things. Yeah, well... I don't know. Good old modern Blizzard never not letting us down. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Should we hit any questions? I feel like we probably should. We should, or can talk about how Warcraft Three made me play uh, World of Warcraft just to get a satisfying conclusion to the story from Warcraft Three. I feel like it probably didn't give you a satisfying conclusion. <laughs> no. Did no, you get no. that conclusion though? No. Oh. Uh, no. Is it a prequel or something? I don't know how the Warcraft thing uh it is so warcraft 3 establishes uh the lich king which is a uh what the hell is his name i forget but you play as him uh, in the jimmy hum- lich sure you play as him in the human <laughs> campaign and then he becomes the lich king good. and you play him in the undead campaign and he's a real did asshole. they just do that same plot every time did they do that before isn't that like the same plot as in like starcraft with the uh what's her name Kerrigan with the becoming the Zerg Queen. Yes, and then in Diablo 2 you f- you fight your old character, which is technically the Diablo in Diablo 2, yes. So they just kept doing that over and over and over. Yes, but you kind of defeat What's-Her-Name in StarCraft, and you kill Diablo. You don't get to do that in Warcraft 3. <laughs> he just kind of mm-hmm. it, it just kind of leaves it. He's still alive. The, He's like, still an Starcraft asshole. Starcraft 2, like, Kerrigan's still alive, and then she gets de-zerged, and I think she might get re-zerged. <laughs> yeah, it's not really the same in Starcraft 2, because she wasn't really an a-hole, and it, it, it was a different there. Like You want personal satisfaction. You want yes. vengeance. Warcraft 3 literally and very specifically makes you hate this person with every fiber of your being. As you do. And then makes you play as him for a whole campaign. Oh. And then you don't get to, you know, you don't get the expected conclusion of getting to gloriously murder him. No, that happened in, like, the third World of Warcraft expansion. (laughs) I think we're on, what, expansion, like, eight? Uh, Who knows? Didn't it just get delayed? Something got delayed this week. Yes, yeah. Delayed to later this How year. long has it been since that one that was about pandas? Ten How years? How are there? Man, I was playing the WoW beta when I was still in college, so... Okay, I'm, I'm asking Uncle Wikipedia how many expansions there are. Seven expansions. <laughs> Burning Crusade. Wrath of the Lich King. Okay, so it was the second expansion then. Cataclysm. Mists of Pandaria, that was 2012. Warlords of Draenor, Legion of... These these titles have gotten worse and worse. Let me tell you a little bit about Warlords of Draenor. <laughs> where you go... Where you go into an alternate timeline. <laughs> oh, that's always a good plot point. That's a good start. Uh, yeah... 
Well, okay. this sounds See, like I, the beginning I, to every uh, hyper dimension Neptunia game. Well, I, I have a brother that plays ungodly amounts of WoW, so I get the explanation of what's happening in all these expansions. So yeah, that one involved an alternate timeline where the orcs reject drinking the demon blood. And hmm. It was actually kind of neat. I, I am destroyed by looking at like information about this shit. Okay, so <laughs> let's do some questions all, before we go down further down this no, black no, hole. I just want to briefly do this. I'll be okay. quick. So one, they they just they gave up on titles after a while because Legion and then Battle for Azeroth. Yeah, that's a terrible name. Uh, that is the most generic name. Yeah. If you ask me, if you ask me, what is World of Warcraft Battle for Azeroth? I would have assumed. Oh, is that like the subtitle for the original base WoW that they just that no one ever used? Because that's what it sounds like. Yeah, no, that one but, was the one where they remembered. Oh, hey, these these two factions are supposed to like not like each other. Maybe we should do that for a bit, and then we'll get bored. Apparently, yeah. they announced that they'll be doing what they termed a level squish. Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. yes, I've heard that. Characters at level 120, the level cap in Battle for Azeroth, being reduced to level 50, and the new cap being set to 60. I'm, I have a lot of questions about how that works. Uh, you know what? I'm done. I don't... That, <laughs> Let's do some questions. I'm going to go look at all the EverQuest expansions again, because that's much funnier. Oh, God. Didn't... Darn... Haven't they done some of those recently? One of them came out last year, dude. Game Let me is, check this out. The game is so terrible. <laughs> Stop playing. The game is people. ancient. At this point, you just do it because it's like, well, what else do I do with my time? Uh, <laughs> let me pull up the expansions. I know you have them, Wikipedia. I know you have them. Okay, expansions. There we go. Now I'm actually kind of curious them. about randomly going into EverQuest and seeing what what sorts of bullshit there is there. It is on its 26th expansion. Oh, fuck. Which came out in December of 2019. Uh, 26, and it's still almost been a year? COVID must have knocked out the 27th. Wait, I have questions, though. Is EverQuest 2 still running? I don't know. <laughs> is the what EverQuest... What's your first name, Mr. Burns? Is I he... don't know. <laughs> is the EverQuest PS2 MMO still going? That died in 2012. <laughs> I monitored that because it was like... 2012? <laughs> it was incredible because like no one cared about it from its, from its inception. Okay, EverQuest 2 is still going. Its most recent expansion was also last December. <laughs> oh, God. Stop playing EverQuest, people. No. But yeah, uh, I wouldn't even be surprised if there is one, at least at, at the latest by early next year. I don't think that anything will stop them. Its current level cap is 115. But is Ultima Online still receiving expansions? I don't believe so. It does still run, but I don't think that there's new content. Being oh, that's, that's Isn't Final Fantasy XI still getting something new, too? No, it's... Oh, no. That, that, they stopped supporting that a while ago. I thought there was something new coming for that. There was, like, a period where they were teasing, like, some, like, 
legacy like offline version or like private servers or something but i think it was called like final fantasy grandmasters or something but then they never spoke of it again so oh no wait that did come out spinoff mobile game final fantasy grandmasters came out in 2015 uh, a mobile cl- client for the game was under development in collaboration with Korean developer Nexon, but I don't think they've spoken that uh, in quite a long time. Well, I think uh, Final Fantasy XIV makes too much money for them to really care too much. Also, it's Final Fantasy XI, so who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> the game sucks. I'm sorry. Sorry, the game sucks. Okay, maybe I just... I, I mean, I'm reading there's October updates and whatever, but that's just, you know... Not content. Yeah, it's mostly just like tweaking. Just they're not. They're not making new FF11 content. <sighs> what a time! What a time to be alive. But yeah, let's let's hit some questions. Uh, since you're the guest, are there any questions from? Long, long list that Fireminer posted a while ago. I know he had some Grandia ones in there. I do not have them up right now. Okay, I'll look. I'll look for one. Let's. See. Where did they go? Where's the podcast Body. section? I feel like I get lost in here all the time now. <laughs> okay, speaking of games trying too hard to surpass their immediate predecessors grandi extreme do you think it's a necessary experiment or unnecessary in terms of how many game design elements actually went into grandia 3 and future game arts games uh and is grandia 3 a response good enough to grandia extreme <laughs> uh and finally is game arts spent as an, as an rpg developer so one thing i'm going to start with grandia extreme is almost certainly a game that mostly existed to test their ps2 technology as opposed to and like get them used to developing on ps2 rather than being meant to experiment too heavily with anything else. Like, it's otherwise, yeah. like, it it experiments with, like, things with mana eggs and, and like, equipment and such, but that's kind of how all Grandia games function, so that's not that surprising. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it put the combining of the mana eggs together. That started there. And... Gosh, what else? Like it was, it was built. To, it was built to be a spinoff. It was built to like, mm-hmm. here's our PS2 engine. It works. <laughs> yeah, and it did. I mean, we talked about this on uh, RPG Backtrack, but I, I love the hell out of that game just because at that time I wasn't. I didn't need a story. I was just when I picked up that game, I knew what I was going in for. I was going in for the battle system, and the as battle system. As long as you don't good. go into it for any other purpose, you'll have a good Correct. time. Correct. And geez, like people who frickin' IV train their Pokemon, I was in it for those mana eggs and breeding up the biggest mana egg possible. I was constantly rerunning dungeons. I I knew which ones to go in and grab and warp out in, like, 30 seconds. I could get an egg. Nice. But, yeah. (laughs) I mean, anything other than the battle system or the graphics of that game, I don't think is worth discussing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's and I mean that's that's been true since the day it was released. Where mm-hmm. most discussion about its plot and voice acting was, why is Mark Hamill here? <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, is Grandia three a response good enough to Grandia Extreme's missteps? No, absolutely not. Um, 
Could Nakedly unfinished. Uh, it's very technologically impressive. Like it's it's a very nice looking PS2 game, mm-hmm. but I, I mean it's got a dull plot. So like it didn't actually fix the thing people didn't like about Grandia Extreme. Still a great gameplay though. Oh yeah, two games, one battle system. You're gonna get it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, like, if if if, in, if anything, it exacerbates what is wrong with Extreme by being having, again, super high quality battle system. But by calling Grandia three, you expect a game that at least has heart, and three kind of doesn't. It feels hollow. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, after all that wonder of one, and at the time, a pr- really good narrative for two. Two is at least still very charming. Oh, Even yeah. if like it's it's self seriousness is like seeing like your ten year old brother get self serious and like tossing <laughs> his hair. Ah, <laughs> uh, you think you're edgy, but <laughs> yeah, like it's it's a very like charming, very of the time video game that's still worth going back to. Whereas Grandia Three is like it's kind of trying to be Grandia One's breed of like wonderment in a lot of ways but it doesn't like it's just sort of showcasing all the ways that you can screw up that approach and just end up producing something that's very flat again very pretty very uh very good combat uh impressive eggs but yeah you need to play that at some point you need to play one, two, extreme, and three. I, I was going to say, I think two is the one I have played. You need to finish one then. Yes. Don't you? Did you get the uh, limited run games? I did. Mm-hmm. Physical. Okay. I had to get the limited run version of uh, Grandia one and two because uh, both Wheels and an IRL friend both threatened to buy it for me if I didn't. <laughs> it's like no, you like you you're obsessed with this. Yeah, I was you, just... you have to own it. Yeah, it's <laughs> like this. Of all the limited runs, this is like the one with your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> the real question will be which uh, which outward facing. Oh uh, yes art that I end up using. Probably the Grandia one one. Yeah. That's where my deepest soul lies. Uh, I was going to say, I, I, I could predict that one. <laughs> Anyone who wants to hear me talk too much about Grandia and talk over a lot of people, uh, that RPG backtrack is up and listenable for a certain <laughs> value of listenable. Uh, unfortunately, you can only listen to certain parts of that episode. I have questions. I should go listen to that to get answers, shouldn't I? Oh, you you don't remember what uh what got lost in the uh, editing uh, process? Oh no, I didn't hear about this. Well, I forgot about uh, this. our our Grandia two discussion didn't make the uh, cutting room floor. Oh no! Yep. The um, and here's another one. Blame COVID. This is a total 2020 thing. Um, because we recorded on. Skype, so yeah. all the all the different segments were there, um, but I know we had recording delays and we did it over two different days. Yeah. So the way we had recorded, you know, Phil hits pause every or hit stop and 
whatever every time we talk about a game. So, you know, we had the intro, we had the Grandia 1 talk, the Grandia 2 talk, the Grandia 3, the Grandia Extreme, the final lap. And so there's all those different things. Well, he had missed the Grandia 2 one <laughs> in downloading it from Skype. And the day it went up, I was like, well, I'm the, I, I was on this. I don't need to listen to four hours of me talking Grandia um, today or, you know, tomorrow. <laughs> and I think or by ever. the time he got or ever. Yeah, honestly, a lot of the times I don't go back and listen to that whole thing again. Might listen to parts of it. But yeah. Yeah. So somebody said something about three or four days after it had been up. Like, you know, I went back and listened. Did you guys not talk Grandia, too? It's <laughs> <laughs> like no, we talked Grandia too. Like we to talked be Grandia honest, too for like an hour. That was why we had to split the recording. That's why we two. split the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and I I had beaten Grandia too like three days, or maybe I beat Grandia two in between that and the other one or something for the second time. I mean, I was at Endgame yeah, anyway. Yeah, you, you did it, it again before. in the collection. Yeah, I did it again with the collection and. Nope. Sure enough, you go back and it goes from one to extreme to three. And when we realized that that had missed it, it had been 31 days since we recorded on Skype. Oh, and the Skype recordings are good for 30 days. Oh, Oh. yep. That podcast should be an extra hour longer and. Next time you're on, Platy, we'll just talk about Grandia 2 for an hour and we'll, <laughs> we'll send the that. audio to Yep. <laughs> we'll just treat that as the the epilogue, the thing that should have been. <laughs> so yeah, that got that got lost in the editing process because uh, poor Phil has to work like ninety hours a week, eight days a week. Ooh, I need your love, so, you what else? Uh, so about game arts, because I, I know I came on to ask you guys <laughs> well i was recording my podcast a few weeks ago i mm-hmm. jumped on twitch to throw you guys some questions and i did ask about uh, game arts and what is it lufia right no no lufia lunar 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 okay that all right sense. yes so what else is game looking back at um his question here is game arts spent Oh yeah, no, they're they're done. I don't even. I, if you asked me, I wouldn't have even told you they were an active developmental force at this stage. Where like, did they go? Just to the everywhere. They got, their IPs got eaten by gung ho. Mm-hmm. Uh, their all their IP. They did a lot of stuff, although other than Grandia and Lunar, not a lot of RPGs. Okay. That they were. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna end up digging up a lot of strange games when I bring this up. Thexter, Selfied. Uh, were they Alicia Dragoon? They were Alicia Dragoon. Uh, anything else worth mentioning? Gun Griffin had a certain degree of following at one stage. But yeah, that's that's you know like you no one none of those have had a new franchise in forever. They were development assistants on Super Smash Brothers Brawl for some reason. Huh. Oh. Wow. But you'll note that that game is from 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the most recent game I can find that isn't uh, them re-releasing a Grandia is from 2012. They're, they're done. Mm-hmm. 
they made uh, a Ubisoft published Smash knockoff starring the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for some reason. Oh, so. oh that thing. <laughs> yeah, Smash Up. It wasn't that good. Smash Up. Wow, they really, they really uh, went for a totally different name there, didn't they? They were overt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they seem to be kind of done. Uh, uh, it's a shame, like, I mean, I'm not sure what you'd want out of them at this stage. I mean, like, they were founded by a handful of people, most of whom I would imagine have left by this point, and at least one of whom has passed away. Mm-hmm. So, it's one of those things. It's like, I mean, I don't know what I would want out of them at this stage, so it's probably best that they just... Their legacy is what it is at this stage. Grandia 4? <laughs> I don't want Grandia 4. Did you see it in a Dragon Song? <laughs> Uh, no, but I have heard you many times. Listen, I'll keep at it. It's not that bad, right? I will fight you. <laughs> and there's the next minutes. Like, I will suplex you directly into a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Do not test me, wheeled one. Oh, my God. God, that game. The next question down interests me a little bit, too. Number nine on his list. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there any video game you feel has done everything just fine and still managed to be unattractive? Um, he specifically mentions Camco. Yeah. Yeah, I get where that comes from. I'm trying to think of ones that, like, I would specifically call out as, like, I don't like how this looks, even though there's nothing wrong with it. As opposed to ones where it's just like, I don't even think about how this looks because it's completely unremarkable. Uh, I, I kind of think of a lot of uh, Idea Factory compile hearts. I mean, I, I could probably make arguments about what's in those, like why I think that those aesthetics are not very good. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that would that would end up coming down to like my personal taste of like, I don't like the the aesthetic that they're chasing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, certainly technically, there's nothing with them. No, I mean, it, it was funny because hearing Pascal on RPG Cast this past weekend talk about them in general at one point too, um, they got into it for a moment, and yeah, they were like, just they throw every battle, every system in the world at you. Oh yeah. It, every game is just hey, you know, you're, you're 30 hours in, and you got a freaking tutorial because. Here's something else to worry Here's about. Here's another system. Let me tell Damn. you about a game called Mugen Souls. <laughs> oh, <laughs> One day you'll learn how to pronounce Mugen. I thought that was how you pronounce it. I usually pronounce it Mugen Souls. Mugen. Well, you said you, you're still like inserting this extra ya sound that isn't in there. Yeah. It's Mugen Souls. Garbage Souls. He, wow. He's adding yet another system to the title. Wow. Gonna mow I kill wheels. That game had so many systems like here, bounce characters off the walls, and here you can go into random dungeons to power up your characters, and then their skills work worse and cost more MP. Because that Mm. makes sense. Yeah, like thinking about games that just like don't come together. 
Like, there, there's a lot of stuff that it's like, oh, this... I get why you did this, but it just doesn't quite fit together right. I feel like a lot of them end up being kind of forgettable games otherwise, unless they're, like... Because, you know, you like, you get a lot of games that are just sort of, like... There'd be a lot more to talk about if it hadn't done something right. Right. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, I guess, like, the thing that... Uh, and this is something that, like, is a me and Wheels eternal bugbear, and I promise I'm not trying to call out the fans of this, but... Breath of Fire as a franchise kind of is this. <laughs> oh. In in terms of like there's nothing wrong with them. I like the art. The plots are kind of generic, the characters are kind of generic, but I mean they're fine. But they just they don't do anything that really sells them in particular. Mhm. It's like playing there. a generic Chemco game before that was a thing. Wow. Uh, I'll be honest. Let's see. 2008. I can pinpoint the year. The fall of 2008. I played Breath of Fire 1. And I think I was <laughs> midway through the second one and was like, yeah, I've, I've played this game play enough times in my life already. This game's oatmeal. Just with other names. <laughs> and it's, it's fine. Like halfway through two, I was just like, eh, I'm done. And, like, sometimes you want that kind of, like, sort of comfort food game, but I just, I haven't been in a situation where I was in a deficit for that, where I didn't feel like I had a better option. <laughs> Correct. Uh, oh, that is, that's completely true. Uh, yeah. There, I, I've had people tell me, like, oh, you know, try this. There's nothing wrong with it. Try this one. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, or in my gigantic Facebook group, you know, every now and then somebody gets in there with a Chemco game and just goes crazy praising it and all and i'm like yeah but i could play x y or z and get that same experience but it'll probably be something definitely a couple points higher like a lot of these you know? kinds of games like they they don't work when you recommend them to people because they only worked in the first place because they kind of took you by surprise like you expected worse and it's like oh this is pretty okay this is fine i'm enjoying <laughs> And it's like the second you try to recommend them to someone, you're trying to point out what you liked about them, and you end up overselling them. And then suddenly it's like, it, if, if the person actually plays it, it's like, why, why are you this excited about this? <laughs> and I feel like that happens with a lot of these franchises that are, or like developers that go on this very middle-of-the-road tack. I remember 13 or so years ago, I remember I played uh, Crimson Gem Saga, which I don't think anyone remembers happened. But it was a PSP RPG, and it was pretty fine. Like, I expected worse out of it. Like, I expected it to be bad, and it was okay. It was pretty good. And it was just like, oh, this is fun. And it was like, it was impossible to, like, recommend it specifically to people, because it was like, I couldn't define why it specifically was good. It just was better than I had expected it to be. <laughs> so that's kind of like me copping to the fact that this happens to me sometimes, where I, like, Something the opposite of this, essentially, where like something has nothing special about it, but I have fond thoughts about it because like eh, it took me by surprise. <laughs> so, in conclusion, play Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter. <laughs> yes. Even if even if you don't like it, you'll have very strong feelings about it. Remaster it on Switch, you cowards! Please, I beg of you. 
My dragon number is only one in one eight thousand one hundred ninety second. Actually, you don't I even need have this. To, you don't even oh. have to remaster it. It still looks good. <laughs> it does it's a really nice port? Yeah. You just need the port. Yeah. If you just like make, if you just, I'm sure that Capcom has some in-house PS2 emulation, like up and running on at least one platform. If you just like, if you just pump the settings on that, it'll look fine. Source PCSX2. Yeah, so that's kind of the that's kind of the thing. It's just like a lot of times you'll just run into something and it's like this is fine, but I mean, a lot of times when I'm look, I have there are too many good games. There are too many good games to spend dozens of hours on something that I only think is fine. (laughs) And like sometimes that's the key right there. Yes. And like sometimes like if something is specifically what you're in the mood for, that's enough to propel it above fine. But if I'm not specifically looking for it, it's never going to be enough. <laughs> that's why I finally sold my copies of Dot Hack. Oh man, I wish that I could like condense those down into like one thirty hour RPG instead of four twenty hour RPGs. <laughs> Because there's probably at least, like, 30 to 40 hours of content that you could do, especially if you, hey, let's backport in some of the improved combat of GU. Like, there's, you could make Dot .hacks Part 1 through 4 into a good game, but it's not the game they release, the games they released. Yep. <laughs> especially if you, met, like, Quarantine is one of the most, like, you're already hooked, sucker video games I've ever played. <laughs> because that game is still 20 hours long, but it really only has five hours of content because it's basically just the ending. <laughs> but you still have to go around and grind to get virus cores. So you can open up the dungeons that take you to the ending. It's, uh... It's obnoxious. If you are not, like, super into the dot .hack metal lore like I am, and... Praise be if you aren't, because you're saving yourself a lot of time and money. There's re- it's really hard to recommend ever going back to Dot .hacks Part 1 through 4. Just watch. Just like... Watch make, .hack sign and play GU. You're good. Make friends with an asshole like me, who every time you meet someone... Every time you mention someone from Dot .hack GU will give you like a rundown of who they were in the previous series if they showed up. <laughs> Because, like, some of them are really funny. And a lot of them, GU only makes vague reference to the idea. Uh, I think my favorite is that you're sort of commander character in GU. If you look into his backstory by talking to him a lot, you will find out that he was also the commander character in parts one through four, except that at that time he was just like a shitty nine-year-old kid. And it was kind of incredible because, like, if you try, he if you tried to, if you tried to like learn more about him, he'd just end up like eventually talking about how much he loves Digimon card battles. It's incredible. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I've got I've got a lot of uh, strong dot hack opinions, but I could I could never recommend those games. Uh, except good. for GU, GU's still really good. 
Gio is very good. The older ones yeah. are very bad. <laughs> we can probably hit question 10 since Gaijin, I don't think, has a lot of opinions on Baldur's Gate. Yes. Uh, so, Fireminer asks, replaying Baldur's Gate really reminds me how clunky it is. But how much is it because of the 2E rule set and how much because of the game itself? I am much more fond of 4E and Icewind Dale. Ditto about 5E. D&D 2nd Edition is a giant pain in the ass. It's fine. It's fine. Giant pain in the ass. To hit AC0 makes perfect sense. Every other number goes up. (laughs) It all makes sense. What's the highest armor class in 2nd Edition wheels? Tell the people. Zero... I thought it was negative 10. <laughs> oh, you're right. It is negative. Okay, second edition <laughs> blows. Second edition is not a fun edition. Yes. But there's also just like, there are aspects of how it's how they've chosen to implement it that uh, Bioware would get better at. The one that always sticks out to me is, so from KOTOR onward, which KOTOR is still absolutely built on a D&D framework, I think it's built on three and a half, uh, a modified version of three and a half. But from that point onward, they would kind of, they would really heavily fudge the death rules uh, to make it so that, like, characters were not constantly dying on you. Because, like, that's kind of a thing you can deal with in a tabletop game, because you, one... You have a DM who's like can sort of read how much you care about this character and how yeah. much they should like fudge the rules or give you options for how to get them back. But the game is just going to be like, no, they died. It's over. Like the game is a cold, heartless machine, and we'll just do whatever. <laughs> but also because they're like, there's so much that is ends up being about how much people like the characters. And, like, if they ever die, even if you bring them back, it, like, breaks their quest lines. Like, it's all this just really bizarre, like, stuff that showcases that they just didn't really get what kinds of appeals these games would have to people yet. So, yeah, like, a lot of it is just, like, how they chose to implement it and not really yet having a strong grasp about what rules do you fudge in a in a, you know, electronic variant of a tabletop RPG because they're not fun to deal with. Also, not making it turn-based made it funky as all hell. Oh, man. Real-time with pauses is one of those things that's like, this was never a good solution, but there's like a cargo cult around it. Like, people demand it for some reason. Let's talk about cargo cults. We all have opinions on the concept of the cargo cult. Of the what? I I was gonna say I do not know of this term. Oh, uh, it's 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 a concept uh, that showed up in that like essentially uh, like cargo dropped by. Essentially, cargo dropped by planes in World War II hit islands that it probably shouldn't have, which caused people to essentially kind of worship it without really understanding what it was. And, like, the the term can be useful in describing design that 
finds its way into a genre without actually have long and stays there long after its purpose has been lost. Huh. So, oh hey, smoking Joe idiots in the chat. Good old Joey Joe Joe Junior Shabadoo. I just want to let it be known that I just rejected a wizard from joining my party. How did you reject the Wizbiz? Because he was an a-hole. Well, at least you've got some standards. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like there's there's a certain degree where like this is this is really hard. Uh, <laughs> Joey Jojo does not does not care for your bashing of real time with pause. Don't worry, we can fight. I'll uh, I'll fight turn based, and he'll fight real time with pauses. <laughs> Pause. Wait. Hold your hold that thought. I need to think about my what skull I need caved to do in. Here. It's gonna be great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, like it's one of those things where like I I just feel like it was never a good solution, and because it's like a we it's a weird way to adapt tabletop combat to begin with because like it was always turn-based to begin with and i'm not sure what real time with pauses is actually meant to fix uh maybe it was just hey this is this is the age of the rts so we're gonna do this i guess oh maybe that would explain my distaste for it because i also hate rts's probably yeah, okay, I'm willing to believe that, actually. I mean, I was never too bothered by it, but it's more like I put up with this, and I'd rather it be turn-based. There was, there was no reason for it to be... Like, it's nostalgia that keeps it happening. Yeah. Which is why I brought up, like, the cargo cult. Like, it was... Because, like, they, look at Pillars of Eternity when they... Yeah. They went to turn-based with Pillars of Eternity 2's, like, updates. Like, oh, this actually works really well. Maybe we'll do that. I mean, they did it better in, like, KOTOR and yeah. Dragon Age, but... That was also, notably, there was less to keep track of. Exa yeah, true. It, I feel like a six-person party all kind of trying to move at once is really confusing unless you're already intimately familiar. And I could yeah. see maybe some advantages if you actually do understand the combat really well that you could make it move faster. But for someone who didn't know D&D &D very well, like, it was one of the most confusing experiences I've ever had. Oh my god, this has actual D20 rolls for oh, yeah, certain yeah. checks. This is rad as all hell. <laughs> it also, like, the number above the roll, it just tell it's just telling you what number you have to hit at minimum to make it work. Which is very a very nice piece of user-friendliness. But... Yeah, like, I, I could see there being advantages at high level when you just want to get through combat, but as someone who... It, it's super unfriendly if you don't already understand how it works. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, just just in general, uh, I, I would say that, you know, a lot of... Uh, Joe, uh, Joe applauds your bloodlust. <laughs> but, uh... But, yeah, uh... I would say that it's equal parts just like Bioware was kind of a new developer, especially to RPGs at the time. And, uh, you know, the D&D &D second edition rule set is pretty unfriendly to begin with. So, 
you know, they they would they would take lessons from those games and learn what rules made sense to fudge in a, uh, in that setting. Just uh, you know, and I I would say that they continued to improve the mechanics. We can have this debates about like the scope certainly went down, but you know, at the very least, like mechanically, they learned better what parts of D and D work in a uh, setting uh, in a computer setting. You know. So, uh, you know, but I also like I admit part of the reason that I'm drawn to Baldur's Gate 3 is that it's running on 5e rules, which are friendlier and that I understand. <laughs> they are much, 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 much better. Kind of give wheels advantage on the next roll. Also, four wasn't very good, so five oh, was much, much better. You're just angry about the lack of whiz biz. Uh, as always. <laughs> Come on, Doctor. Uh, um, oh man, let me tell you about the wizard I made in my the current D and D campaign I'm playing. Yeah. It is a lizard. It's well D and D, but it's actually Pathfinder. Of course. A lizard man lawyer wizard. A lizard wizard. Lizard wizard lawyer. Have you considered? Uh... Have you considered having his law firm be called Lizbiz? I am now. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a lot of years of school you'd have to go through to get through all that. I mean, some of them might have been concurrent, though. Really, though? Do you, do you see a law class being held at Hogwarts? No, but I would expect that the class schedule would be a little different for a D&D wizard. Mm. Uh, Joe also mentioned that there's a rogue you can recruit near the cr- crash site. That, that might be something. That's not into. the character I have already. Hard to say, but uh, let's see. Rogue dude, that sounds boring. <laughs> gonna be an all chick party. Ah, uh, ladies' night. Yeah. That reminds me of the time that I made an all-lady party in Star Ocean 2, except for the required male uh, secondary main character. So you turned it into a harem game. <laughs> no, because I didn't actually pursue the capacity to have him like end up with all of them. I don't think there's an ending for that. It would be weird if there was. There are a lot of paired endings in that game. Star Ocean 2 has one of my favorite uh, sub- ending mechanics that I've ever seen in a game. Like, the every pairing of characters in Star Ocean 2 has three endings, depending on who likes the other more. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, like, uh, like, they're all really short, but, like, they're all little mm-hmm. variants. Like, uh, for example, the two protagonists, Claude and Reyna, if... I, I'm trying to remember if I'm remembering this right. Like, a lot of these, like, uh, there, there were so many different variants that a lot of these I've never actually seen because I remember the back of the box at the time said over 80 endings. <laughs> oh, gee. Because it was just referencing all the different variants you could get between party mm-hmm. members. And some party members could actually end up with NPCs if you tried. But uh, basically, uh, Claude and Reyna, as I recall, if Claude likes Reyna more, you settle back on Reyna's home planet. If Reyna likes Claude more. She follows him into, like, the Earth Federation, like, government shit. But if they like each other the same amount, 
they both like go out exploring space. <laughs> and like there's a, that kind of like ending variance for basically every pairing in the game. Oh my. Star Ocean 2 is bananas ambitious in a lot of strange ways. I know I've beat that game. I have zero memories of it. <laughs> I love it. It's one of my favorite games. Like it's such a it's such a wild game in terms of what's in it and why <laughs> and how it's constructed. But that's for another day. Someone asked me about Star Ocean 2, and specifically Star Ocean 2. Please do not ask me about the other ones, <laughs> except maybe 1 and 5 are okay. If you asked me about 3 and 4, we were not friends anymore. Um, See, I played 3 too. I know I did. But man, I have like no memory of that series. I think me and Wheels at one time bonded over both despising Star Ocean 3. Yeah. Uh, Joe, yeah, 5 is Integrity and Faithlessness, which is not an amazing game, but it's at least not an insulting game. Uh. Well, I, I, Star Ocean 3 did not inspire me to ever go to another one, so... Star yep. Ocean 3 is... So, the Statute of Limitations is over! Star Ocean 3's twist is that everyone was inside a giant MMO the entire time. <laughs> Till the end of time. There we go. <laughs> Summer of 2005, that's when I played it. Is that when it came out? Nope, that is two or three years after it came out. Oh, okay. The Greatest Hits title by that point. I don't know how it sold enough to become a Greatest Hits title, but it did apparently. We actually got the Japanese director's cut, which uh, might not have actually been wise. (laughs) Because it turned so, like... With the director's cut, they added some extra characters to recruit who all start at level one. But also, they took one of the characters that you had. To, you, There are like four characters at the end, and you can choose any two of them. But they also took one of the characters that you were required to have, who has plot relevance, and who you've had in your party for like half the game by that point, and turned her into one of the optional characters. I don't know why. Oh. <laughs> why is... Why are you like the Star Ocean why, 3? Why can't you be like your brother? Sorry. Oh, that's why I... Okay. I, I, like, looking at my personal timeline of games, I can see why I got into that that year. That's when Dragon Quest Eight was coming out later that oh, year. So you were so just I got going for all the PS2 RPGs. Uh, yeah. And getting all the PS2s, yep. It was like, okay, Dragon Quest Eight's coming. Buy the PS2. Play all the games. Time to play 70 hours of Rogue Galaxy. I did that. <laughs> oh, man. I played How do you feel about Jaster Rogue? <laughs> I enjoyed Rogue Galaxy because, man, I, I love Dark Clouds. Rogue Galaxy. Oh, I, I don't think no. Dark Clouds very good, so that's why. <laughs> nope. See, I, I know you. <laughs> I can't. Re- Wheels, you were on. Were you on the Dark Cloud backtrack? No. Seven years ago, I would, whenever. I would never subject people to my body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you hate Dark Cloud too, Wheels? Yes. I was going to say the Dark Cloud backtracks were not positive experiences. No. Oh, good. I listened <laughs> to them and like I was. A... Oh! Oh, I just remembered an answer to a question we had a while ago. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Let's backtrack just a little bit to, is there any video game you feel has done everything just fine and still <laughs> managed to be unattractive? And I'm not going to talk about Dark Cloud because I have stronger feeling opinions about what Dark Cloud's doing. And I'm going to instead talk about White Knight Chronicles. Oh, oh boy. Which is a video game that is cromulent in almost every capacity. <laughs> And I hate. 
Like, I feel nothing but bile towards. It sure is a video game. It is a game that is so aggressively against the concept of doing something interesting. <laughs> that will take the simplest road to any given point. And I hate it. Remember, <laughs> remember Final Fantasy Twelve. What if you had a game like that? Only it's not good. What if it was Final Fantasy Twelve, but without any sort of auteur thumbprint? I've been arguing this like over various discussions over the past year that Final Fantasy is uh, bizarrely a super auteur-driven franchise, and that people notice it and get angry at it when it isn't, and that's why one of the reasons that FF13 gets as much vitriol as it does is because it's a compromised video game. But, like, FF12 is another game that's like, okay, this, you know, you can have strong feelings on this one way or the other, but, like, it's clearly the vision of... It's clearly the kind of game Yasumi Matsuno would want to make. Oh, for sure. It has all of his quirks and personality traits, like, lashed onto it. And White Knight Chronicles is, if you took some of the mechanics and some of the aesthetic, but you had, you could not tell who had made it. It could have been made by a robot. And that is White Knight Chronicles. Yep, that sums it up nicely. And, oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. But, oh, man. Oh, oh I'm, just, I'm just getting angrier <laughs> thinking about it. Like, I'm just remembering the. If, if there's ever a White Knight Chronicles backtrack, I, like, I will come on just to be angry at it. <laughs> well, did, do you remember that there are two White Knight Chronicles games? Do you remember that there's a PSP spinoff? I do. Because I uh, imported that thing. And it was... Why? <laughs> Curiosity? I don't know. It was really, really bad. More money than cents? Yeah. He was in college. He was experimenting. Oh, God. No, I was in grad school. You were in grad school and anything could numb the pain. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, oh, it's just like, yeah, White Knight Chronicles 2 containing the entire campaign of White Knight Chronicles 1. Yeah. Remember that those were like the single player campaign was just to sort of try to Trojan horse the really bad online game. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Like you would, you start the single player game, and it forces you to craft an avatar, and then it makes you play as like f fucking shonen protagonist numbnuts the entire game. But your avatar is just creepily standing in the background the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we got talking about this. <laughs> I hate that game so much. God. White Knight Chronicles is one of those things that's also really funny to like chart that people were like, oh, it's made by level five. That means it's going to be really good. And no one checked with themselves about if they had any reason, if there was any reasonable basis for that statement. Uh, but yeah, I, I never, I played like two hours of Rogue Galaxy and thought that it was boring, so I did not play it further. But Jaster Rogue is like on edge maverick level of bad name bad character <laughs> name <laughs> Chester Rogue Chester Rogue how is that a name so uh, you're saying you didn't didn't enjoy the golf mechanic in uh, 
Dark no, Cloud too. <laughs> but in general, like I kind of like the Giorama system more in Dark Cloud One. Like I didn't like having to look for ingredients. I just like, oh, here's one of the pieces. Put it back together like a Lego set. I didn't like anything mm-hmm. about it. So you, you've got me beat. Like there are things I like in Dark Cloud One. Like I like the G. Ironically, I like the Giorama system a lot more than the dungeon crawling bit. Like, let me just put together a town to make sure that everyone's happy with how it's put together. Like, that was the most satisfaction I derived from Dark Cloud 1. I'd but, liked, I mean, Dark Cloud... I liked huh? when the disc was no longer in my PS2. Wow. <laughs> Dark Cloud 1 also Harsh. has quick-time events, which is kind of incredible. Um, I... Yeah, it's just... It's just... It's just kind of a... Not, it's just kind of a nothing game, but... Like, I, there's bits of Dark Cloud 1 that I like, but... I mean, yeah. and then Dark Cloud 2 just never really got to me. Again, the Giorama system being made more crafty was not to my taste. But, yeah, well, but neither of them can even touch. I did not enjoy much. taking photos of so many freaking things. Oh, Dark man, there's that, that freaking ancient Penny Arcade comic where it's just like one of them trying to do Dark Cloud 2 uh, invention mechanic and just like putting together everything they have pictures of and then screaming at the TV, what do you want from me? <laughs> uh, I believe I had the strategy guide for that. That's the only way to play it. Like, just look up a list. I, I, I was going to say, I think that's probably why I was fine with it, because I was like, oh, cool, I can do this and this and this. Yep, all right, I'm good. Man, this Wikipedia like sentence about White Knight Chronicles is like the grossest thing I've ever read. Level 5 conceived White Knight Chronicles to have 100 hours of gameplay, a length Akihiro Hino considers to be a full-length role-playing game. No! (laughs) Please, for the love of God, do not make content for content's sake. Uh. Oh, yeah, that was... Oh, man, that was the period where, like... Uh, level five was really into the director's cut concept because they also they did White Knight, which I think got like he- like some heavy in uh, updates for its in- for its U.S. version. But also, I think Rogue Galaxy, the version we got, was also the director's cut that just added another planet. The planet didn't have anything to do with the plot; they just put it in there. <laughs> it's just content. You love it, content, baby. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> Gonna turn into Wolfman by the end of this podcast. Haru. Uh, let's see. But yeah, oh man. Oh yeah, there was a quote unquote Giorama system in White Knight Chronicles, but you only did it in the Yep, yep, there it is. Uh <laughs> there's your comment. For... For, for the listeners, uh, yeah, he just pulled up the old Penny Arcade comic I was referencing. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a memory. Uh, Man, I thought you had something going with that garbage mail clock. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, 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 you could customize your own town in White Knight Chronicles' online mode, and they called that Giorama for some reason. I don't think there was any Sphera in it, though, so no golf. Ah, oh, man. Gosh, you know what? I, 
I didn't even think I got that far. I bought these games again when they came out on uh, when they did the whole PS2 on PS4 thing back when they oh, thought Dark that was going to become a thing. Oh, they yeah. never thought that was going to become a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I must. I, I almost finished Dark Cloud One. I think another game coming out probably distracted me at that point. But I put I like 25 hours in it. It almost finished it. Um, and then I stepped away, and now I don't know where the heck I am. Like I'm on near the end of a georama on one of the later things and i'm like oh my god i don't i i can't just go back in and finish that i feel um, like oh god but dark cloud 2 no i didn't get more than five hours in it i'm like i don't think i can do this again <laughs> i i just like even the progression system like is just not for me like the your progression system of oh your weapon is all of your stats mm. all of them mm-hmm. didn't get lucky with those drops mm, too bad uh, but the other thing that like really kills any attempt to like go back to Dark Cloud One for me is anytime you get put into like a floor where it's like, oh, all, you can only use this character that sucks and that you haven't been uh, raising the level of their weapons for. Correct. Yep. You got to use like, Hammerman. Oh. He's incredibly <laughs> slow and his attacks suck. Uh. Oh, yeah, the U.S. version of that had an extra dungeon at the end called the Demon Shaft. It's a hundred floors, and it has no Giorama associated with it. Have fun. Yeah, I never did that. Content. You love it, baby. But, yeah. Like, I really wish that they had focused on, like, the idea of building and improving a town. And, like, I, I guess, like, I want a mix of the Giorama system and Rune Factory. Ooh. Like, I feel like that, that would, would be interesting. Be the game that I actually want. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you guys talking Rune Factory 5 a couple episodes back. Yeah. That, it looked that, really that good. Pretty. Yeah. So that's probably 2022 for us. I think we might get it late 2021, but um, that might be wistful thinking. Uh, it looks really good, though. Finally actually play a Rune Factory game. <laughs> I was going to say, have you played a Rune Factory game? I've played Harvest Moon, and I like things that have uh, hitting things with swords in them, so... <laughs> I think that's fine. In conclusion, uh, the next the next video game that should happen is a mix of Harvest Moon and ActRaiser. <laughs> and people can ask you why this vengeful god destroyed their house and you can say listen more people can fit in the house that'll be built afterwards and you should have known I was going to do that and just left (laughs) oh man did uh, either of you see Yuzo Koshiro was tweeting reminiscences about the ActRaiser soundtrack a few like a week ago I did not. He had like, he had dug out and recomposed an X-Razor style track on the SNES sound chip because a Japanese streamer had apparently like asked him to. And that caused him to start uh to start reminiscing on the ActRaiser soundtrack. 
Jeez, we all need to get out on YouTube and just start asking for things, right? Listen, I think that that Japanese YouTube YouTube streamer had like 800,000 subscribers, so it's probably easier. Oh, well. I, I've got a long way to go then. It's worth it, though, if you can get, if you can get Yusa Koshira <laughs> to compose a theme song for you. I imagined it would be. Yeah, so he dug out his SPC 700 uh, composition chops and and uh, reminisced about that. He posted a photo of the game's like primary dev team, uh, and also talked about how the Actraiser team was the primary dev team of East One and Two. <laughs> this photo was taken after releasing Actraiser, maybe in 1991. Let me let me put this in the chat so that everyone can look at it. But it also looks sort of like someone's last known photograph because of the quality of it. <laughs> Where are they now? Because really, we don't know. That is a... That is an old photo. 1991. Taken in like... <laughs> cloudy twilight... Yeah. Like I said, it looks like someone's last known photograph. <laughs> the actor's music could never have been realized without Messiah's genius work, to say the least. He implemented the features that I really wanted into the sound drivers uh, to quickly get out of the sound, SNES's sound memory management program initially provided by Nintendo to make the best sound. His English is better than I would have guessed as well. Yeah, so that was, was kind of neat to see him talking about Act Razor, because, like, people talk about a lot of Koshiro soundtracks, but I feel like, and Act Razor, you know, people people love it, but people don't often talk about his soundtrack for it, which is really good, so, you know, I thought I would bring that up, since it was in my mind. <laughs> yeah, uh... So yeah, that's, uh, those are the easy questions we could get to. Uh, I'll have to remember to remind Gaijin to mark off questions uh, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. Just go do that right now. Oh, look at that. There's a, there's a little dent. Yeah. So are there any questions on the last episode that's been up for... Uh, a few hours now. Three hours? <laughs> I appreciated your naming device there, Wheels. Uh, do you have any questions you want to bring to the table? No, I, I've been. I've, I keep asking Wheels every week uh, where the new episode is, but the I, answer I, I is always wait. somewhere. <laughs> I always wait until the day that you're getting ready to record. I'm not pestering him any time in advance. <laughs> I've got my new image that I've been posting in the podcast. Oh yeah, I saw that. It was powerful. Yes. Yes. Which I, I, I see led to the uh, episode 179 name. <laughs> no, I, I, I've got to... I, I have to wrap my head back into RPGs again soon. I'm, I'm missing them. Oh, have you played Mario... What is it? Mario 35? Oh, I haven't yet, because I'm, I'm actually very bad at Mario 1. I played it. <laughs> 
How'd it go? What do you think? Uh, it's interesting. I, uh, That's about all I can. <laughs> knowing that, uh, it, like, it was Saturday night, I, I'd beaten Evo Land, and I'm like, okay, it's like 10 o'clock at night. I, I, I'm not going to get into another game. I just spent all of three hours today beating this one. <laughs> Start to finish. I'm like, I need, I need something small, and I'm not much into platformers <clears throat> or much, but I was like, I, you know, let me just go back to Mario 1. And I had never played the uh, RPG, the Mario All-Stars version of Mario 1 or anything. Oh, that's a weird version. So I, I went straight through and beat it, you know, liberally using Rewind. Um, <laughs> as you will, at 11 o'clock at night. But then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Isn't Mario 35 out, too? So I, I did. I probably ran it 10, 20 times total. Over a couple of days, I got a couple first places. Nice. Um, I, I I like to cheese that. That was whenever I was on one of the boss levels, you know, just stand <laughs> still for a bit and everybody else dies. Good times. But I've never played Tetris ninety nine, so. I know someone who's like savant level at Tetris, and like every time I watch them play, it's nightmarish. <laughs> I'd only read like, of it. I was like, ah, I'm not good enough at Tetris. I don't like Pretty playing much. with people anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think Mario 35 is cute. I'm not sure how much I care about it. <laughs> nope. Yep. Uh, and that one with the timed exclusivity, too. I'm like, well, there you go. You know, I put in my 10, 20 runs of it. Maybe it'll come back and they'll do something weird with it. Who knows? <laughs> yep. My kids watched it and uh, my son's got one of those little... $20 handheld things that looks like an old Game Boy with all the old ROMs on it and yeah. he was amazed that I could get so far in the different Marios and he's like whoa I didn't know that was there because I've never sat and like played Mario 1 with him and now I'm like okay now I need to ah, so you, I'm okay. calling CPS right now <laughs> <laughs> we worked our way through Yoshi's Crafted World and it's fine it's fine I've, uh, I've always argued against being sports dads for video games <laughs> so yep I, I let him we've done a lot of RPGs this year we started with Hyrule Warriors we did Fire Emblem Warriors together uh, we did uh, Let's Go Pikachu together oh what that's saying is Age of Calamity is what you'll be playing <laughs> no but I am going to finally get Sword and Shield I'll finally get oh that's a good idea that uh, $90 all in one Package. At least they put that all on the cart that time. Yeah, like, yes. Nice. Those games rule. Well, yep, my, my kids, I've kind of put it off. I did tell them that we'll try to get it before uh, Thanksgiving, knowing that we'll have like a whole week off of school. And, oh, perfect. You know, we don't have to play for like 30 minutes between 7 and 7.30 every night and then shut it off. I remember, so. uh, oh, man. I remember Gold and Silver coming out and being like, you know, work, me and my brother working our parents of like, okay, one of us gets gold and one of us gets silver and we're, we got to get them the day they come out. And they, they relented. But, yeah, my kids will be like that at some point. They're, it's gotten to the point where we drive to school in the morning and they want to play the Pokemon guessing game, which they've come up with, where we just basically it's 20 questions Pokemon. <laughs> Is this a water type? 
<laughs> oh man, my my daughter's kind of doing that now. She's we have a um uh, they were, I got, bought like the Pokédex guide for Sun and Moon which came with a giant giant poster with like, Oh no. everyone. So mm-hmm. my my daughter will like drag me over and be like, "Who's this and this? And look at this one." He evolves into this guy. And it's, what type is this guy? And and I love she can do that endlessly because there's 800 <laughs> on the Yep, no, they've got a couple of those books from like the Scholastic Book Fair with all 850 yep. Sun and Moon ones. And they flip through that. And that guessing game finally turned into they would always keep picking ones that they don't even know the name of. They're like, uh, you know, it's that one with the ice guy, that thing and the that thing and the other thing. I'm like, OK, no, we got to stop this. <laughs> You can never mediate who won in that situation. And that's a problem with children. Yep. They, they've got like, they've got a picture in their head, but they don't know who the heck it is. <laughs> oh, man. I, like, there's a certain part of me that's, like, very curious what uh, Pokemon, like, what it, what it feels like to grow up with Pokemon now. Because, like, you know, when I, when I was, I, I'm younger than you guys by a few years so i was like the prime age for the pokemon demographic uh and for me it was like it it just went from being something that you heard about to being literally everywhere and everyone liked it and like certainly it's very popular now but i don't think it can ever be as ubiquitous as it was in like 1999 (laughs) a lot of questions probably not no i don't think anything can be as ubiquitous as pokemon (laughs) was in 1999 (laughs) it was inescapable in a truly fascinating fashion Mm -hmm. and now here's pikachu at the macy's thanksgiving day parade which we're all watching for some reason because it's 1999 and we've got no nothing better to do (laughs) we just have to watch what's on the tv Back when you only had three channels. Have to watch. Yes, that was definitely true in nineteen ninety-nine. Can't pick what you want to watch. What fresh hell is this? Just wait oh, until so your children good. start asking you about whether the Fox Network and the Dumont Network are the same thing. Oh, they won't, because we don't have any. <laughs> we don't have... Also, because the Dumont Network is uh, has not existed since the fifties. Uh, I was going to say, what is? <laughs> I was just going to let that one pass. <laughs> It's, uh, <laughs> that's one of my favorite things to just like bring up out of nowhere and see what people make of it is the Dumont network. It wasn't an alphabet soup. That's too many letters. I can only focus on three letters. ABC, NBC. Fox was allowed in, even though it doesn't have C in the name. Mm. But they were a company, all right. Most of it. Uh, Dumont is also fascinating if you're a his- if you're interested in both the history of television and the history of lost television, uh, because almost every program that they ever ran was destroyed in the seventies. Uh, a lot of strange early, like early science fiction TV shows, were destroyed in that. Uh, some very just just 
it's fascinating. If you've never heard of it, go and you have an interest in this sort of history at all. The Dumont Network is a rabbit hole to fall down. Never heard it, but Captain Video and his Video Rangers. What? <laughs> it's a children's sci-fi series from the 1950s. Oh. The series aired between June 27th, 1949 and April 1st, 1955. You love it. It even had a spinoff series, The Secret Files, which happened video. (laughs) Well, they've stayed very secret, I'll say. Alongside Tom Corbett, Space Cadet. Hmm. It's it's weird. It's weird. It's <laughs> researcher Alan Morton estimates that there were fifteen hundred episodes of this, what? although few of them exist today. Lost media is a rabbit hole and a terrifying one because it's just like a reminder of like, oh, things just get like at at that time like there was no way to record something if you didn't see it you there was a decent chance you'd just never see it again. Mm-hmm. And also, like, whoever owned it had a very good chance of destroying it, or just, like, by virtue of not taking enough care of it, it would just disappear. Like, it, let's all talk about how much, how flammable the silver nitrate in, like, 30s film reels is. Okay, it's clearly not much of a discussion. Sorry, I just have opinions. <laughs> Going to say, to say enough, enough to make it very, very flammable. <laughs> also, you're super roboting at this point, buddy. Clearly, you've been replaced by a Terminator at this point. Um, well, we should probably... Uh, Okay. Well, until he gets back, yeah. we'll uh, tap dance a little bit so that we can do a proper ending. Uh, since Gaijin's not here, I will do a quick plug for him. Uh, his books, uh, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, Volumes 1 through 9, I believe, all available on Kindle. There's con- collections of, I think, the first six volumes. Correct. Uh, they are all on Amazon. You can find them by searching for Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. Uh, and, you know, just, you know, give him a look if you have him. Always appreciate, uh, and want to support those endeavors, so, you know. Uh, so yeah, those are available where, uh, yeah, at Amazon, aka where fine books are sold. Yes. Uh, you have anything to bring up? Um, anything to plug? Anything to tap dance about? play Hades, I guess. <laughs> I don't think really it needs good. the help, but fair. Yeah, it, it does not need, need the help, but it's it's really good. Oh, heavens. Oh, sorry, I was just, I was looking at this, what I was talking about, about how silver nitrate is very flammable. Oh. In literature of photography, nitrate is used as a for the chemical nitrocellulose. It's also referred to as cellulose nitrate. Nitrocellulose is gun cotton, the first replacement propellant for gunpowder and firearms. So yeah, 
little little flammable, little explosive, little dangerous. Okay, so it was first used as the uh, basis, film stock of the nitrate base. <laughs> it's the first transparent, flexible, plasticized base commercially available and went up for sale in 1889. Huh. Uh, unfortunately, nitrate also had the serious drawback that it's extremely flammable. <laughs> it also gradually decomposed, producing a flammable gas. Oh, at one stage, the film becomes sticky and oozes a goo-like fluid, ultimately leading, leading the substance to become dust. So, like, if, if nitrate-based film is not seriously taken care of, it doesn't just break down like a lot of film that can be poorly taken care of. It becomes dangerous. You have to store it very carefully, or it will just catch on fire and possibly explode. <laughs> guessing not a lot of things were taken care of that well that's why a lot like that's why it's estimated that like i think 90 percent of uh movies before like the 1930s are considered to be lost for that reason projection booths uh projection booth fires were not uncommon in the early decades of cinema the film managed to be exposed to too much heat while passing through the projector's film gate and several incidents of this type result in audience deaths by flame smoke or the resulting stampede <laughs> What? <laughs> the year 1978 was particularly de- devastating for film archives when both, this is all sourced from Wikipedia, so, you know, take that where you will, but I think this is fairly accurate. When both the U.S. National Archives and Record Administration and George Eastman House had their nitrate film vaults auto-ignite, Eastman House lost the original camera negatives for 329 films. Well, the National Archive lost 12.6 million feet of newsreel footage. Because wow. cellulose nitrate contains oxygen, nitrate fires can be very difficult to extinguish. The U.S. Navy has produced an instructional movie about the safe handling and usage of nitrate flames uh, films, which includes footage of a full reel of nitrate film burning underwater. The base is so flammable that intentionally igniting the film for test purposes is recommended in quantities no greater than one frame without extensive safety precautions. (laughs) If you you remember how large a frame of film is, you'll understand how little flame that is. It's like a postage stamp. Pretty much. But yeah, uh, you you have to store them separately. You have to store them like essentially tight. Uh, and you also have to like oh this is even worse the gas like so uh, a lot of times you you know you would transfer these films over uh, like you would make copies onto a safer film stock but you can't store them together because the gas the nitrate film emits damages the film that you transferred it onto (laughs) But yeah, usually nitrate collections are even spl- are even split up into several different fireproof rooms to minimize damage to an entire collection. Should a fire occur in one part of a normal, uh, uh, should a fire occur in one part, it is normal for a theater today to pass rigorous safety standards and precautions before being certified to run nitrate films. This includes a fireproof projection booth, fire chambers surrounding the feed and take-up reels, and several fire extinguishers built into the projector and aimed at the projector's film gate with a trigger released if the film ignites. 
Nitrate foam is class- classified as dangerous goods, which requires licenses for storage and transportation. So yeah, if you've ever wondered why a lot of like a lot of old stuff doesn't get shown again because the people who own it either don't know or don't care that they own it, and it would be very hard to sell it, and uh, capitalism rules everything around me. But uh, if uh, if you've ever wondered why a lot of old stuff is just gone, it's because of nitrate-based film. <laughs> because also, it's literally a, just gone. Yeah. Also, there was a. Uh, there was a certain financial component in this as well, since uh, you could also just render out the render it out and sell the silver that came out of that, and make some of your money back for a film that you didn't intend to show again anyway. Okay. So yeah, good times. Okay, that's my that's my media history lecture. Uh, it was probably very bad, but thank you all for listening. Platy M three, is there anything you want to plug? I know you have podcasts. Yes. Um, uh, gosh, last week I did like six hours of them. Uh, if you look anywhere that podcasts can be found, you can find Dragon Quest Slime Time. Uh, we've got about 25 episodes of very hardcore Dragon Quest talk. Um, different guests every time. We've got Square Enix Waiting employee to be we had on. I feel offended. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've started doing even some side quests where we uh, last week talked for three hours about Vita and oh, just reminiscing. We all picked like three or four games and just talked reminiscing about, about how games. there were no Dragon Quests on Vita. Wait, no, I played Dragon Quest uh, Builders all the way through on oh, Vita. Oh, I forgot that Builders did get a Vita port. <laughs> also, Dragon Quest Heroes 2 is on Vita. What's that? That sounds like a bad place for it. It's there. That barely worked on Switch. So, yeah, uh, it, I actually, the only reason I owned a Vita is because I was given a free code for Dragon Quest Builders, and I was like, why would I ever buy this? Why, why would I get a Vita for this? And, and then you did. And then I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I never played it. I played Persona 4 and many other things, and it took about two and a half years before I actually got around to playing Builders. But, <laughs> yep, Dragon Quest Slime Time, we're not just Dragon Quest anymore. Sometimes we just go off on side quests. Listen, there's slimes in many video games. <laughs> and there should be a lot of Dragon Quest content coming out on RP Gamer, hopefully, in the next month. Um, I've got a couple of projects in the works that will come out. So, actually doing stuff for our site, too. Isn't that a surprise? <laughs> oh, man. Can't believe it. Um... But yeah, so that's uh, there's my plug. Let's plug. I think that's all our plugs at this stage. So, I guess we must bid you all adieu. Adieu. Also, see you, Space Cowboys. See ya. Be it.